Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 278 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined as ever by former heavyweight world title challenger. It is, of course, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing, my man? I'm good, man. How you feeling? All good, my friend. All good. Always good when speaking with you. This week's show is going to be quite straightforward. We're going to start with the review part, then we're going to do the news, which is quite brief. Then we're going to welcome our sole guest on this week's podcast. It's um, it's Chantel Cameron, a lady that I'm a huge, huge fan of, and she is my favorite female fighter. If any female fighters are listening, don't get jealous. That is me being, uh, being honest there. She is such an exciting fighter. Uh, the female fighters don't always get the credit. They don't always get the, uh, the, you know, the coverage, the fanfare, whatever you want to call it. Because some of them don't have knockout power. Some of them don't have exciting styles. But Chantel Cameron, she is incredibly, incredibly exciting. Um, so I'm looking forward to speaking with her. In part two, we're going to do the preview part, which is, again, a little bit brief. couple cards to talk about. And then we're going to sign out with another lockdown knockdown. Um, so that is what is in store for you guys. And we're going to start here with the review part. Like I say, we're going to start in Mexico at the Polideportivo Sur. Not gonna, not gonna give it the pronunciation this time. But anyway, Austin Trout, former world champion. If I'm not mistaken, I think he's moved down to 147, which is brilliant to to hear because you know he's he's a great fighter still. I think Austin Trout and going down to 147, all of a sudden there's there's lots and lots of opportunities there, lots and lots of fights. I wouldn't mind seeing him involved in. So he came back with a win. Um, I believe it was a points win over 10 rounds against Juan Armando Garcia. Um, not a not a big name, really. He's now 27, um, sorry, 21 and 8 with two draws. But Austin Trout, 33 and 5 with a draw. Um, moving out now to another part of, of, of uh, Mexico. We're going to go here to, I can't remember where the venue was at, but um, Carlos Molina, former... Uh, 154 world champion. Um, he came back again with a win, and he promoted the card as well. Uh, it took place at the... I can't remember the venue, but it was in Patscuaro, Michoacan. Um, he came back against Edgar Ortega. Edgar Ortega lost um, unanimously over 10 rounds, so another win there for Carlos Molina, now 37-11 and 11 with two draws. And on the undercard as well, we should mention... Um, 
Adrian Granada stepped in with Nesta Garcia, who actually boxed Carlos Molina, I think, last year. But anyway, Granados was able to stop him in two rounds. So he's now 21-8 and eight with two draws. Uh, Nesta Garcia is 23-23 and 23 with a draw. Uh, that's it for that, though. Moving now to the 2300 Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, over here, just one fight to mention. Sharif Rackman. That's the younger brother of Hassim Jr. It's, of course, the son of Hassim. He is now 4-0, and um, a TKO in round 3 for him against his opponent. I uh, can't remember who it was now, but that's, that's, that's good to see him with another win. Uh, moving out now to um, another part of Mexico, actually, at the Salon de Eventos in Matamoros. Over here, um, Hassim Rackman Jr. So both the Rackman brothers were fighting. Uh, both picked up wins. Rackman Jr. now 10-0. and 0. Not sure if he stopped the guy or not, because it's, it's, um, it's not been put onto box rec. I've texted him, but he hasn't yet replied. So anyway, it doesn't really matter. He got the win in Mexico. He's now 10-0, and 0, double-figure wins. Um, that is it for the reviewing. So like I say, we've gone through that very, very quickly. Uh, moving on now to the news. There's not too much to mention. Let's go with this one here, a fight that's been added to the... Heron Frampton undercard on the 27th of this month. Anthony Kakachi defends his British super featherweight title against Leon Woodstock. Um, it's a good fight because Woodstock is a fan-friendly type of guy. He is, you know, a guy that has tons and tons of heart, and he will give it a good go. Anthony Kakachi obviously looked really good when he beat Sam Bowen and dethroned him for the British title. However, since then, um, there was rumours going around that he'd... I'm not sure what had happened, but there was rumours that he might never box again. That's what I heard. Um, I'm not sure what went on outside the ring. I don't know if he got ill or injured or something, but he's back here. So I'm not 100% sure, um, you know, how how prepared he's going to be, how good he's going to be. I don't know if he's if he's in there because he can be in there, uh, because he feels good, or if he's back for the money, because let's face it, it's probably a decent payday being a defending champion. And, you know, it's a bit of a late, re- not a late replacement, but a late addition to the card as well, because Archie Sharp was supposed to be boxing on the undercard, and he has pulled out of his fight um, with, with an injury. Um... I don't know if it's been released what the injury is yet, so I'm not going to say anything on that. But he has been pulled off the card, and this has been placed on pretty much in place. So I don't know. I've got a feeling Kakachi's, um, you know, got got a lot to lose here, man. I think if Woodstock turns up and puts it on him, it could be quite interesting. But you'd have to favour Kakachi if nothing's wrong with him, and it's all just hearsay, which it could be. You just never know. Um, also, we have another card announced. It's going to be Karim Gwerfi versus Lee McGregor. That's on once again. It's going to be taking place on March 19th. Um, and also, uh, Paul Highland Jr. against Liam Walsh as well. That would be quite good there. And the final piece of news really is that... Um, well, it's sad, actually. It's a sad piece of news. Um, and we're going we're gonna to end part one on it, which is a bit... Uh, a bit yeah, a bit of a downer, really, but um, we, we lost a former heavyweight uh, world champion, Leon Spinks, of course, he passed away, um, what was it, just last week now, so, uh, 
Yeah, very sad loss as well. I mean, he, I think, had been suffering with, with cancer for quite a long time. He was very sick for um, the last two two or three or four years. Um, I think in that time he was still kind of getting out to these meet and greets and stuff like that, you know, before the pandemic hit us all. But, you know, he was trying to put on a brave face. He was still meeting and greeting with fans. He was still signing tons and tons of stuff. But, you know, he's been um, he's been very sick for a long time. And, yeah, he's lost his battle in the end uh, with cancer. Um, it's, it's a sad one for me, and I'm not entirely sure why, because I never interviewed him. I think there was one point where I was trying to get it done. But, again, because of his, you know, his illness, I don't think he could, you know, sit down and do a full interview like that. I don't think he's done an interview for quite a while. So um, I did want to interview him. Uh, but it never it never ended up happening. Um, it was prostate cancer as well. Um, he lived to be sixty seven, and of course, Eddie he you know he will be in the history books forever. He is the only fighter to take a belt away from Muhammad Ali in the ring. You know, Muhammad Ali never lost titles in the ring aside from that night he lost to Leon, and of course they did the rematch in which Ali came back and beat Leon. But um. Yeah, tremendous fighter, man. It's not just the Ali fights that sum his career up. Um, you know, amateur and pro. And it's a it's a sad loss for boxing. It's a sad loss for us all, especially yourself as well. Coming, you know, we, we, I'm saying all this about myself, but you're a guy that you know, heavyweight. Um, you know, from 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 the from the United States. Um, yeah, man. I'm sure there's a lot in common. There's a lot more than that in common. But um, yeah, tell me, Eddie, what do you what's your thoughts on this tough loss? Well, look, it's, it's, it sucks, man. It's, you know, who's another fighter? Uh, another fight? Yeah, another fighter from the box fraternity. It's just it's just rough, you know. Another like a fellow heavyweight, former world champion, famous guy, one of the one of the, one of the top guys to do it. You know what I mean? Especially at that time when it, when when the division was hot, very very hot. And he was, you know, right up there, ranked right up there. You know what I mean? He took the only, like you said, the only person to take the title from Ali in the ring. So, you know, he was a special talent. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Uh, 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 a figure. You know what I mean? He was one of those kind of guys. I mean, you know, most people remember him from with, the, with, with his missing teeth <laughs> and all of that. But, um, you know, it, it, good personality. You know what I mean? He was... Uh, just a just a good overall person uh, and great fighter. So I mean, I didn't know him personally, but just you know from everything I've heard and, and just from seeing some of the things that went on and, and how people received him, you know, he's, he was always really respected. So it sucks to have something like this happen, especially from you know the killer cancer. You know what I mean? It's just it just it's just going rampant. It's through everyone, and it just is, needs to raise awareness of how important it is to take care of yourself while you have the chance to. You know what I mean? It really, it was really unfortunate that you know one of our guys had to go, but it's just like once again, it's an opportunity to look at someone like him and say he was a, you know, a great fighter, a great athlete. You know, I'm pretty sure he ate right when he had to. He done a lot of other things that a lot of people never do, and some of these people never end up with cancer. But then you see somebody strong like him end up with it at the end. Just lets you know how important it is to take care of yourself. So, if if there's one thing you take from this. Aside from being saddened because of how great of a person athlete he was, is to take care of yourself the best way you can. Yeah, well said, Eddie. Um, I remember interviewing Michael Spinks, um, obviously his brother, some years back, and um, at the time it was probably my like most, I guess, um, 
high-profile interview, I think, at the time. So um, it was, it, you know, that interview was was and and still is like, um, you know, something I won't ever forget kind of thing. Like we touched on a lot of things, and Michael Spinks is quite famous for not really being in the press much at all. He's um, he's not a big interview guy, and I remember getting quite a lot of time out of him, and um, you know, yeah, we touched on a lot of things. Obviously, we talked about Leon as well. And um, maybe that's why it kind of just feels a little bit close to home, even though I didn't know the guy. Perhaps because I interviewed his brother and I hold him in such high regard because of that, that, um, that you know, that time when I interviewed him and it, it meant so much to me and still does. But um, yeah, rest in peace, Leon Spinks. And um, I hope we get to hear like the, uh, you know, the, the 10 bells or something when there's, you know, when there's big boxing next on. Is it the 10 bells or 12 bells? Am I going crazy? Ten. 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 ten, okay. Ten. Yeah, we need to hear that for for for, for Leon. Obviously, a nineteen seventy six gold medalist in Montreal, and um, yeah, he he was able to beat Muhammad Ali in just his eighth pro fight, which is incredible. Um, yeah, you know what a what a character he was. But anyway, that's it for the uh, for for part one. There, we've we've uh, touched on some sad news at the very end. But you know, it's not the way we wanted it. Uh, we can't do anything to stop things like that happening. And that's uh, yeah, that's a couple minutes there dedicated to what was a fantastic champion. But moving on to a positive note now, it's now time to welcome our sole guest on this week's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome one of my absolute favorite boxers to watch in world boxing. She is the reigning and undefeated WBC female super lightweight world champion. It is, of course, Miss Chantelle Cameron. Chantelle, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be it's on. It's absolutely my pleasure My pleasure to have you on. So, Chantel, let me start by saying I've always been a big fan of yours. Uh, women's boxing doesn't, in my opinion, get the coverage or the attention it should get. I personally go out of my way to mention all women's fights of note every single week on the, on the podcast to let the listeners know about them. And I do my bit to get female boxers on the show. We've had Clarissa Shields on many times in the past. It's great to finally have you on as well. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Yeah, great, great. So, Chantel, let's start here uh, with this. One of my reasons behind loving your fighting style is because, at times, you decide to fight like a throwback Mexican warrior. Do you enjoy having that <laughs> that, that good old-fashioned fight? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it's, I enjoy it. So, why not, in fights, give, give it what I, what I want to do. I'm comfortable in there, and sometimes, yeah, I like to... Once it mix it up and the grass and fun. So for me, that, that's not a style of fun for me. And sometimes, Jane, you know, you don't want me boxing like that, but um, you've got to mix it up and you've got to have a bit of fun in there as well. And for me, that's, that's where I get off, is standing there, throwing, trading, and having a, having a bit of a walk, like in a fine box. So for me, um, that's where the enjoyment comes from. Yeah, and I can say it's really enjoying to watch. Um, let's look at your career. You're now 13 and 0. You turned pro in May of 2017. Uh, obviously, you had five fights that year, winning four by KO. That girl you boxed in your second pro fight, uh, no one ever seems to manage to stop her, but it only took you four rounds. Even that was a win that seemed to kind of age really well looking back now. Yeah, um, for the start of my career, I was matched very well. I was, um, I was against opponents that were challenging in their own in their own right and 
I, I went up the ladder pretty quick. Within my fifth bout, I become the IBO world champion. And that was against Vivian Ibanatu, who obviously had that stoppage on Tasha Jonah. Yeah. And Terry Harper beat on points. So um, I've had a few opponents there that have been very good opponents, especially for the start of my career. Yeah, and I want to... And Sorry, there's like Miriam, Miriam Delau that um, no one really mentions her, but I always bring her up because she's a really good opponent and she's dangerous. And I can remember, I can't remember what fight it was when I boxed her, but yeah, great, great uh, opponent and tough fight. Yeah, and I want to I wanna touch on a few of, a few of these fights. So, um, yeah, I mentioned there the lady that you boxed in the second fight, I think... Uh, Bo- Boyana Libazuska, something like that. She was tough. Um, the yeah. next girl you boxed and stopped only had one stoppage loss as well, uh, so, so she was tough. Edith Ramos, you're the only person to have stopped her. And then, yeah, like you said, yeah. Vivian Ober. Now, if you stopped her when when other girls we see boxing on Sky, like like Katie Taylor, like Natasha Jonas, like Terry Harper, could they couldn't do that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I forgot that one. Yeah, yeah. that was so, uh, the, that I've was had, the first one. I've got I think. Some good... Yeah. Good names, good names on my record. And um, my last few opponents, I've not stopped, but uh, it's a three-minute round. I could have got them out of there, I think. Yeah. Sanchez, I dropped her. Um, Bashil, she took like a lot of big shots. She was just tough as they come. And my last opponent, Andriana, um, she's just a lot bigger than me, so it's hard to, hard to overpower her. But I've still done, done some damage, but it just... The size difference is quite a big factor. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that, that win, obviously, against Obanelf, which was a great one, um, is yeah. obviously not boxing-related, but I'm sure you've seen what she's been involved in lately, which is crazy. I've got sent a few um, headlines, yeah, but I've not really heard anything since. Yeah. I think it was a couple of months ago now that I've got the headlines. Yeah, bizarre stuff. For those that don't know that's listening, she's uh, she's been locked up for... Uh, um, yeah, under the suspicion of murdering her partner, which is another story. But anyway, um, yeah, you, you went on to outpoint Miriam Delau, who no one to this day has ever stopped. Then you knock out uh, yeah. Natalia Aguiar. Um, you became the only person to stop her. Then you boxed Jessica. Actually, Sorry, go on. Never got I never got footage of that fight, but that was a very good fight. That was, I can remember it. She was uh, tricky and so slippery. And I can remember that was in Scotland, they got the stoppage, and I've never actually seen footage. Yeah. So it was good to, yeah. one day, that some footage got dug up with that, because I never actually got to watch that back. Okay, yeah, that was the uh, Taylor Postal undercard, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, after that, you go on to box Jessica Gon- Gonzalez, you outpoint her, but she was tough as old boots. Um, I remember being ringside for that one, and I remember genuinely not being able to tell which one of you was the tough Mexican because it was a war. She had no quitting her though, man. She was tough too. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, very, very tough. She's taking a good shot and she's always there falling back. Great fight. Yeah. And then you came back with two knockout wins, one over a girl who only uh, got stopped once and the other against a girl who'd never been stopped before. That's when you box Anisha Bashir. Now, some listeners won't have, have heard of her, but Trust me, she can punch like you wouldn't believe. That's her. That's her. Um, you know, that's her big. Uh, her big. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Attribute. Um, that's probably. Yeah, she was that's a probably the only. Puncher, that's probably the only fight of yours, Chantel, that I haven't seen. But um, tell me about that one. Yeah, I can remember that. That was uh, going in. That that was for the lightweight monetary fight, and um, I can remember she was. Um, she was knocking everyone out like the first round. 
second round, she was clearing clearing everyone up. And um, I remember there was a lot of back and forth before the fight. She was being a bit disrespectful, a bit of a mouthpiece, and from the fight night, and I just threw the kitchen kitchen sink at her. She took it. Yeah. And yes, yeah, she was just to just to give people the backstory. She turned pro. She lost five fights in a row, but then she decided to. I don't know what she changed. Yeah, she lost five fights in a row. Then she went on to knock out eight girls in a row. And just before yeah. she had the fight with you, she she smashed um, Sam Smith to pieces. At, I think at York Hall, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that was a great win. Um, then it comes the uh, the. Anahi Sanchez fight, you win that on points. That's when we arrive at the WBC world title fight against the undefeated Olympic bronze medalist uh, Adriana yep. Sports Bra Dos Santos Araujo. Um, tell us about that. Tell us about that that fight there, which was obviously a fight with many talking points. Let's say. <laughs> um, yeah, it was. It was uh, I was obviously I've seen her from the amateurs, being on a training camp with her, um, seeing her on the amateur team. So I, I knew that she was capable of giving me the toughest fight to my day. But if I'm perfectly honest, it was probably one of the easiest fights to my day because um, she just didn't get out of gear. She just didn't really show up on the night. And I remember I was nervous. I was really worried about it. I was thinking, oh, I've seen what she can do. She's going to be um, she's gonna be a tough fight. It's a 50-50 really. But yeah, I feel like I got in there, set throw on my shots, and she just didn't have a response. And the, the crazy thing to me in that fight was that all of a sudden, you actually boxed like I've never seen you box before. You didn't turn it into the dog fight that you usually do. Uh, you didn't try to drown her in deep water. You decided to say, okay, I'm going to hit you and you're not going to hit me. And I was really blown away because I hadn't seen that from you. I didn't know that you could do that uh, for a long period of time in the fight. And you just literally, uh, you know, you did what boxing's about, you know. Uh, not getting hit and getting your shots off yourself. It was highly impressive. Yeah, it was the game plan. Obviously, I knew, I knew um, on fight week that she was coming in heavier because she missed the check weight. So our game plan kind of changed because we knew that she was going to be a lot bigger than me on fight night. And obviously, I didn't want to take any unnecessary risks. So we changed it and we were like, I'm just going to box her. I'm not going to stay, stay in the pocket with her. I'm not going to try to fight with her because we know she can whack. She's going to have about stone on me in the ring on fight night. So be smart, get the win, and don't be stupid, don't be reckless. And I had to stick to the game plan, was knew what was on the line. And it was a brilliantly executed game plan because you boxed, you know, you boxed perfectly. She, she, uh, you know, she didn't touch you all night and, you know, her arms weren't, I- I'll put one joke in there. Her arms weren't the only things that were swinging in the ring. You did well to, you did well to avoid it all. But moving on to your next fight, it's been lined up. It takes place March 20th against former WBC featherweight world champion, Melissa Hernandez. Now, call me a boxing nerd if you want, but I'm probably one of the only boxing interview people that you'll speak to that genuinely stayed up to watch her last fight when she came back after having three years out. Um, did you happen to see that fight at all against Selena Barrios? Um, to be honest with you, I don't really watch my opponent. Okay. Uh, Jamie and Nigel, and they feel back to me. A lot of, everyone's different. Some people like to study their opponents in and out, but for me, I've got enough faith in my coaches that I don't need to. I want to focus on what I do and, and what I'm good at and what I'm what I'm bad at. I work on in the gym, and um, I've got such a good team around me that 
they prepare me because they, they watch her, they study her, and they get me the sparring that I need to deal with them, the style of opponents on the fight night. I've seen clips of her, but I've not really, like, watched a, the whole fight for her because I don't, really, I don't really feel I need to. And what do you actually know about her? Because you say you don't study her, you don't, you know, you don't study her too deeply. You've seen a couple of little clips here and there. What do you actually know about this lady? Obviously, she's vastly experienced as a pro. Yeah, massive, massive experience. Um, she was featherweight coming up now, super lightweight. Again, slippery, um, switches, unorthodox, and she's got a good boxing IQ. And she's gonna, she's gonna try and make it messy. She's gonna try and frustrate me. And she's got great movement. She's got very, very good movement. Yeah. Yeah, no, she does actually, because, um, like I say, in in her comeback fight, um, she you know she boxed an undefeated girl, Selena Barrios, and um, she was able to box rings around her, and uh, yeah, she's uh, she looked quite impressive last time out. But again, that was some time ago now. Um, what version do you think we're going to get to see come come uh, fight night of yourself, Chantel? Do you think we're going to see more of the boxing that we saw last time out, or do you think we're going to see more of? Uh, you know the old classic. Let's let's have a fight, Chantel Cameron. What are you gonna see? You're gonna see slight educated pressure because she is slippery. She's gonna try and make me miss, but at the end of the day, she's she's not gonna be able to avoid barricade punches coming. And I'm gonna make sure I hit hard. I sit down on my shot, and then the day the chest doesn't move. So yeah, I'm gonna be landing my shots, letting her know that I'm there, and see if she wants to to stand toe to me but I don't think she's got the power to match so I imagine she'll be on the back foot Okay, okay. And without looking too far ahead, Chantel, obviously there are many fights out there that capture the public's imagination. You against Jonas, you against Taylor, you against Harper. I don't think it's you who doesn't want these fights. When can we expect to see you in with one of those? I'm sure you desperately want to be in the ring with one of those. Yeah, 100%. I've, I've been saying it for a long, long time now that I want the big fights, the big names, and whoever wants it, they can get it. Like, I'm, 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 a, I'm a fighter. I'm not here to avoid opponents, um, swear people. I'm here to fight, and I, like nobody wants to lose, but I'm not scared of taking a loss just to be in them exciting electric fights. Like, I want to be in them, so... Um, down for my team, really, but let's hope I get through Melissa and let's hope I get get in them fights and start getting the big names. But at the moment, I've not not been not been getting any. So that's what I think I need. I need need them sort of big fights. Obviously, I need to get through Melissa and show people what I can do against Melissa because she is a very well schooled, well educated, experienced professional. But as long as I get through Melissa, Melissa then. I want to start taking out these big names. I think that's when people see the best version of me. Yeah, and I, I, I again think that this fight with Melissa, this will probably be your toughest, uh, you know, your toughest fight to date, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Which of those names I mentioned, Chantel? Again, I don't want to concentrate too far past this fight, and we shouldn't do. But is there a name out of those three girls that you want more than the other? No, anyone with a world title, really. Then I'm chasing belts. Obviously, I'm a world top, I'm a world champion now, but I want more belts and want to be taking belts with these girls. So, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pick any of them. Just 
Okay, there we go. Anyone can get it, but very much the concentration is March 20th against Melissa Hernandez. Listen, finally, before we let you go, Chantel, if you've got any closing words just to the listeners, perhaps you can tell them where to follow you if they're not already following, or if you've just got any kind of message that you want to sign out on, if you want to thank sponsors, the floor is yours. Yeah, I'll just say um, thanks everyone for tuning in. And obviously at the moment, everyone's going through a pretty rough time with this lockdown, but stay positive and keep active, keep smiling. And it's all going to come to an end soon. So um, just keep going, basically. And thank you to all my sponsors. Without their support, then we wouldn't be in a position I'm in. So massive thank you to my sponsors. And you can follow me on Instagram at shancam91. At shancam91. That's ch. A N C A M nine one. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, listen, Chantel, it's honestly been an honour speaking with you. Thank you so much for your time. I hope you can continue your win streak and continue adding supreme value to women's boxing. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part. A few things to go over here. Uh, we're going to start at the Wembley Arena in London, United Kingdom. few fights to mention on the undercard. couple prospects on there. We've got Ivan Price, 3-0, against Zahid Hussein, who's 16-1. We have Dalton Smith, um, 6-0, against Ishmael Ellis, who's 11-3. We've got... Lee Wood, 23-2 against Reese Mould, 13-0. That one's for the vacant British featherweight title over 12 rounds. Really good fight, that. Um, we've got Zelfa Barrett, 24-1. Um, it's for his IBF Intercontinental Super Featherweight title against Kiko Martinez, former world champion, 41-9 with two draws over 10 rounds there. Um, that's a really... Uh, I want to say really interesting fight. I I understand Kiko Martinez. He's very much at the tail end of his career now. Um, he hasn't really boxed anyone for quite a while. I don't know who his last big win was against. Um, he lost his his kind of most biggest fight of recent times was against Gary Russell Jr. He lost that one. I think he got stopped. And um, since then, he's you know he's gone back to Spain. He's put together a you know. A, a, a little line of wins, I guess, um, a little streak of wins against really low-level guys, and here he is against Zelfa Barrett, who, um, you know, is it's is, is quite a good fight for Zelfa Barrett, to be honest. If he is able to stop him, it's a very big statement, whether you like it or not. If he completely dominates him over over the course of the 10 rounds, it's, it's very good as well. It's a name, really, it's a name, even though they're dragging Kiko up a few weights here, because... I don't think he's anywhere near big enough to be super feather, but they've pulled him up there and, you know, it's smart matchmaking actually, and it's going to be the best name on Zelfa Barrett's record should he get the win. Could be interesting. I I don't think it will be too interesting. I think it probably goes to points because Kiko is quite tough and Zelfa hasn't yet proved these, you know, as high as a lot of people held him at one point and perhaps still hold him now. Anyway, um, the main event, Josh Warrington. He's obviously recently vacated his IBF featherweight world title. He gets in against Maurizio Lara, who's 21-2. and two. Maurizio Lara um, was originally supposed to be fighting Warrington for the belt. And then it's a very strange situation, Eddie, and I don't think you're going to be able to um, clear anything up for me because it's just a bizarre situation. But I'll inform you of what's gone on. So basically, Josh Warrington... Um, 
He's got a huge, huge, huge fan base in Leeds. Like, literally, he's a stadium filler, small stadium filler in Leeds. They all come out for him, all the, all the uh, soccer fans, football fans, whatever. And, um, you know, he's, he's got a very, very exciting style. He's probably got the be- possibly one of the best engines in world boxing, in, you know, out of everyone. Mm-hmm. He doesn't stop throwing punches. Mm-hmm. He's not a big puncher, though, but he's, he's very, very strong, very, very fit. And he will, you know, he'll, he'll sit on your chest and he'll just keep throwing punches all day long. Um, you know, he beat um, uh, Carl Frampton and, yeah, he's, he beat Lee Selby and a couple other guys. And they wanted him to fight Shakur Stevenson at one point. For whatever reason, that didn't end up happening. And anyway, he was looking to try and get a unification fight. Um, and for whatever reason, the fight didn't get made in time and he wanted to fight. So um, he tried to defend his title against a guy ranked number 13 or number 12 in the IBF rankings. So he he wanted to fight this guy. So he obviously asked the IBF. The IBF actually wouldn't sanction the fight, which is bizarre because it's a guy in their top 15 ranking. So I don't know how they can't sanction a fight. Why is the guy in the top 15 if you're not going to sanction it? The guy had never even had a 12-rounder. Um, so I'm not even sure how he ended up in the rankings, but when push yeah. came to shove, basically he was given a choice, vacate, or if you go ahead with a fight or something like that, we're going to strip you. So he decided yeah. to, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, if, so, so he decided to actually vacate and then go ahead with this fight that no one wants to see. And this all happened because he couldn't get a unification in time. Now he's in a position where he's beltless He's a problem for a lot of people. He's a problem for anyone, I should say, in the featherweight division. And I don't know why anyone would now want to fight him because there's no fans in stadiums, there's no belt on the line, and he's a nightmare to come up against. So I don't know if there's something that they've already agreed and that's why they dropped the belt, but um, he was getting forced into a position where um, you know, he had a mandatory on his towel, basically, and um, it's a guy that he beat very controversially, I think, last time out, and it's like an immediate, you know, it was it was ordered again, and it's been quite messy, and now he's vacated it, so that guy, Kid Galahad, who I'm talking about, by the way, I don't know if, you know Kid Galahad? Oh, yeah, yeah, I know Kid, Kid Galahad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. So Kid Galahad, a lot of people thought he won the fight, <laughs> and then... Um, Josh Warrington got the victory, and then basically it was a terrible fight. It was an awful fight to watch, but a lot of people felt Galahad won. And <laughs> Galahad wanted, you know, he wanted the rematch. It was ordered by the IBF, and it went to purse bids. And Al Heyman, for some strange reason, won the purse the purse bids. He outbidded Eddie Hearn, and then straight away they vacated the belt. So. Very weird, but Kid Galahad will now be fighting the next guy in line for the vacant title, which is all good. Um, And funny enough, Eddie, at the time, Josh Warrington, who won the fight, basically, Josh Warrington was promoted by Eddie Hearn. Then he left Eddie Hearn and went with Frank Warren. And Frank Warren, you know, um, got him a few stadium fights. He was really happy, blah, blah, blah. But then Kid Galahad signed with Eddie Hearn. So when... Kid Galahad and Josh Warrington had a fight. Uh, Eddie Hearn was promoting Galahad. Warren was promoting uh, Warrington. Warrington won the fight. 
Eddie Hearn said, oh, it's, it's a joke. Galahad won the fight. He's clearly better than Warrington, blah, blah, blah. After the fight, Galahad leaves Eddie Hearn. Warrington then joins Eddie Hearn. And now, all of a sudden, oh. Hearn's completely changed his... Uh... <laughs> so now he thinks that Warrington is clearly... I think he actually made a statement that he's undoubtedly the best featherweight in the world. I mean... I, I, that's crazy, considering that he previously said Galahad beat him, and no one has got Galahad at number one in the world, or pr- probably not even number two or three or four. Anyway, that's way too much time dedicated to that one, but all the best to Josh Warrington. Um, he's going to beat this guy easy. If he doesn't stop him in a couple of rounds, I will be scratching my head. This guy is absolutely dreadful, and I, I just don't understand why he's even fighting the guy at all. Um it's, it's, it's ridiculous that he's vacated his title to face this guy that no one wants to see in a ring uh, with anyone, by the way. Anyway, moving out now to the Fantasy Springs Casino in Indio, California, USA. Let's start with the undercard. Couple of decent fights. Ronnie Rios, 32-3 in a 10-rounder against Oscar Negrete, 19-2 with two draws. Shane Mosley Jr., 16-3, gets in against Christian Olivas. Um, who's 20-7. and seven. That's for the vacant WBO, NABO middleweight title. Um, nothing else really to mention out of those. There is one. I'm not quite sure what is the main event. Uh, yeah, no, of course. This is the chief support now here. Patrick Texera, 31-1, defends his WBO world super welterweight title against Brian Castano. Um, or Castagno, it's actually pronounced. 16-0 and with a draw, like I say, Castagno. He's got that one draw to Eris Landy Lara, a fight that many people felt he won. And that was quite a while ago now. Um, I'm not sure what's happened to him since then. He seemed to have just disappeared. I think he actually did hold some version of a world title. I think it might have been the interim or the regular belt. I'm not sure. But... Um, yeah, he disappeared off the scene after that Eris Landy Lara fight back in 2019. He came back with one fight later on that year, but he hasn't actually been in a ring for, um, well, since November of 2019. So a lot of ring rust there. Um, but yeah, he's a he's a good fighter, Castagno. He, he like I say, could, could be undefeated in many people's eyes as a pro and as an amateur. Boy, oh boy, he beat some good people in the amateurs, including Errol Spence. So... Um, yeah, he he's good, but he takes on like I say, thirty-one and one. Patrick Texera, um, yeah, Texera's a decent fighter as well. Couple couple good wins um, that he's put together back to back. Carlos Adames, he took his O, um, which to me was very surprising. He was able to beat Nathaniel Gallimore. His one loss came when he got stopped in two by Curtis Stevens. Um, but yeah, really, that's his one loss. Yeah, the champion. Yeah. Wow, I, that that's just—I <laughs> don't know why. I, I, Curtis Stevens can punch though. He can, he can. There's no doubt about it. But damn, you know, to like that just shows that I guess. Well, I mean, styles make fights. And, you know, people get you know everyone has a puncher's chance, but damn, to beat a guy who's obviously a championship level guy, and I'm not saying Curtis Stevens is not, but his any other opportunity he's had has always ended you know, not so well for him. So it's kind of crazy to hear this, but Hey, it is what it is. It happens. 
style. Yeah, I mean, Curtis Stevens beat him a couple years back, or three or four years, something like that, a few years ago. And since then, he's kind of gone on this undefeated run, and he picked up an interim belt. I think he's now been elevated, something like that. So saying that he's world level is a little bit of a stretch in some people's eyes, but he's up there. He's definitely up there. Should be a good fight, but I favor Castagno to get the to get the victory. Um, and yeah, when you spoke about <laughs> not not going off in a different direction too much here, but Curtis Stevens, yeah, I remember when he boxed um, David Lemieux. <laughs> anyway, um, the main event, 31 and 1, Joseph Jojo Diaz defends his IBF super featherweight world title. Tevin Farmer, by the way, is outraged that this fight is going ahead. I think there was some kind of... Um, some kind of, I don't know if it was in the contract, this rematch clause, or it was just like word of mouth, something like that. I don't know what was going on, but they, and when I say they, I'm talking about Tevin and Lou DeBella. They are absolutely outraged that this fight's going ahead, um, and they're very disappointed. But I think that there was some kind of time limit, and because of Corona and all the rest of it, it's expired. So I'm not sure the ins and outs, but they're very, very, very peed off at Joseph Jojo Diaz. But anyway, he gets in there with a really good fighter, um, Shavkatson Rakimov, 15-0, and 0, the Russian fighter um, with 12 KOs. Um, I've heard a lot of good things about this guy as well, a lot of good things. Um, I can't remember who he mixed it with in the amateurs, but I'm pretty sure he was a solid amateur. Trying to see if I can quickly pull something up. No, I'm not I'm not sure that, that I can. But anyway, he has got a really, really good reputation. He was in the uh the you know the world games and stuff like that. I think he might have meddled, if I'm not mistaken. Could be wrong, but anyway, really, really good fighter. A lot of people are expecting that to be a hard night's work for Jojo Diaz, but I hope he pulls through. I like Jojo. And the final card to mention, it takes place back at the bubble in the MGM Grand Las Vegas, Nevada, USA. Um, let's start with the undercard. Couple of good fights actually here. I'm going to start with a friend of the show, a recent friend of the show. Um, he was on a couple months ago. The undefeated Jared Anderson, the prospect, seven and O with seven KOs. Uh, they've all come within four rounds and. Four of them, no, one, two, three, four, five of them have come in the first round. Big Baby, that's what he calls himself, the real Big Baby, as he says. Um, he's just turned 21 years of age. Um, he was, you know, sparring partner for Tyson Fury in the States when Fury was getting ready for Deontay. And, um, yeah, he's got a very bright future. He takes on Kingsley Ibe. Kingsley Ibe, 5-1 and one with a draw. Um, four KOs himself. Nigerian fighter based in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, he has a draw, though, with Guido Vianello. That's the undefeated Italian heavyweight that, again, was sparring with, with Tyson Fury in the build-up to the Wilder fight. And he was able to draw with him there. So that was his last fight. He could... Um, could have something here for uh, for Jared Anderson, but I hope that the real big baby pulls through um, on the undercard. Also, we get to see uh, Richard Comey, 29-3, and three, his first fight back since getting stopped in two rounds by Tiafimo Lopez the night that he lost his world title. He takes on Jackson Marinez, who is 19-1. 
his one loss came in his last fight back in uh, back in August of 2020 against Rolando Romero, who everyone's extremely high on. This is going to be a really, really, really good fight here. Uh, Jackson Marinez, you know, very, very good fighter. So uh, really, really, really looking forward to that one on the undercard. That's like the undercard kind of underrated fight of the week, I guess you could say. Um, also on the bill, Adam Lopez, 14-2 and two in a 10-rounder against Jason Sanchez, 15-2. and two. But the main event, we all want to see him win. Joe Smith Jr., 26-3, and three, fights for the vacant WBO World Light Heavyweight title against Maxim Vlasov, 45-3. and three. Um, He's had a very strange path, Vlasov, by the way, Eddie. 48 fights deep into his career now. Started boxing at middleweight, moved up, as you do, to, uh, to super middle. Then moved up to light heavy. And then he moved up to cruiserweight, and now he's back down at light heavy. So he's kind of been all over the place, um, and he's boxed a lot of guys along the way. You know, his his three losses came to Christoph Glowacki, world-class fighter, Gilberto Ramirez, world-class fighter, and his other loss came to Isaac Chilemba. That was his first loss, and he had Chilemba down twice in that fight. Um, never been stopped as well. He has gone the distance in all those losses. Um, 34 years of age, six foot three and a half. Very, very interesting fight. But I've, I just think Joe Smith Jr. has improved so much. I mean, that fight that he had in the bubble, he's already boxed in the bubble. The fight that he had with Alida Alvarez, where he just, he just boxed excellently. All of a sudden, he wasn't this one dimensional guy. He had boxing skills. And then when it was time to put, the former champion away, he did so in, in fantastic fashion. Um, one of my favorite fighters, Joe Smith, obviously a, a new friend of the show. He was on a couple weeks ago, and I've always had a soft spot for the guy. How can you not? You know, he's, he's a normal guy, um, you know, hard worker. Um, that's in and outside of the, 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 the ring, by the way, in and outside of the gym. Obviously, he's got a, uh, you know, a construction. I think he's a tree surgeon or something, because I saw a... Uh, He's he's got like a slogan. I think he's um he's got a tree. That's what you called it, right? Tree surgeon Eddie over there. A tree surgeon? <laughs> no, you mean like a? Oh man, I don't even know a lumberjack. I don't know it's a lot. Tree surgeon? Yeah, that's what they call it I over am... here. Tree surgeon, like a guy that you know gets up high and starts chopping trees down with like a chainsaw. No, I, I, I they call them lumberjacks okay. here. Well, anyway, I, yeah, we don't we something. we definitely don't. Don't use that word. But anyway, whatever. He he cuts right. down trees. He's got a company. And the company is called Team Smith. And they've got like a van. You know, like a... Wait, you don't even... Do you even say van? Yeah, yeah, we say okay, van. Right, okay, right. <laughs> I'm really off my head today. Anyway. Um, they've got like a van. And on the van, they've got their, their brilliant slogan. It says, for a quote, call us last and we will knock out the competition. I love that. <laughs> so uh so yeah anyway all the best to joe smith jr um i think he will at some point get to vlasov the only the only fear factor for me is that vlasov is quite tough if anything if nothing else so um if he is in there late on he might be the better boxer of the two but then having said that joe smith really shocked me last time out against alvarez i just want to see him win he's a nice guy and, um, you know, what an exciting fighter. One of my favorite fighters to watch, man. You cannot blink when he's fighting. Oh, boy. 
and uh, <laughs> big puncher. But he's uh, obviously now trying to add different dimensions to his game. You know, I saw him uh, a little while ago fighting. Um, I forget who he was fighting, but the guy was a pretty, pretty good boxer. I, uh, I can't remember who it was. It was one of the Spanish guys. I don't. I don't know if it was Alito Alvarez or another guy. But is, is this the? Did they fight? Did they fight twice or just once? No, they fought just once, but I think you're probably confusing him with Sullivan Barrera. There you go. Sullivan he dropped Barrera. Barrera in the first round, and then he got up and ended up losing uh, Joe Smith Jr. on points in the end. Right, and he was, and, and I remember, you know, but, just him. But, but having said that, um, he told me when we had him on the show, he broke his jaw in like the first or second round, so he wasn't really the same after having his jaw broke, Joe Smith. No, no doubt about it. But even then, he was, um, you know, you're trying to add, you could see, trying to add dimensions, trying to do different things. Obviously, the draw for my game, some issues. But, um, you know, as a fighter, you have to try to improve. Every time you go out, you try to do a little bit more or and get hit a little bit less and do what it takes to become a better version of, you know, what you were the last time out. And to see, like, him now getting to, like, the world level, obviously, and start fighting top guys and, being able to beat him, you know what I mean? Not showing showing that he's just not a one-trick pony with the big punch and that's it. You know what I mean? It's an extremely important, an important thing as a fighter to improve like that. And I got to take my hat off to him. And, you know, now hearing about how he's been and seeing he's been pr- improving each fight, it's a, it's a good look, hopefully. Hopefully, uh, you know, he'll he'll be able to get closer to a title, maybe even win one, who knows? Yeah, well, this is a world title fight, Eddie. So if he wins, he's champion. How, how nice is that? Yeah. <laughs> Let's see what happens. But yeah, I remember him, you know, in 2016 when he uh, he completely, you know, destroyed Fonfara in just one round when um, Fonfara had previously given quite a hard fight to Donis Stevenson. And then, of course, he went on to knock Bernard Hopkins out the ring in that fight that they had. Then he lost to Sullivan Barrera despite dropping Barrera in the first round. Then he came back with a first-round knockout against Melvin Russell. Then he lost to uh, Dimitri Bivol. He lost that one quite wide, to be honest, on points over 12. Then he came back and beat Jesse Hart in a split decision. He dropped him in the seventh round. Then he came back against Alida Alvarez and did something that Kovalev couldn't do in 24 rounds with Alvarez um, when he got him out of there in the ninth, and he was winning the fight, you know, dominating, like really winning the fight by shutout even, which is just incredible. That doesn't happen to Alvarez. And here he is against Maxim Vlasov. So, uh, yeah, thoroughly looking forward to the fight. And um, everyone is a, is a, deep down is a, is a fan of Joe Smith Jr., I think. Just a normal guy, um, you know, a construction worker, trained in his spare time. And he really is one of the most exciting guys. And um, I just, I just want to see, you know, want to see him become world champion he deserves it he's had such a hard run you've heard it there i haven't missed any you know skipped any fights he's literally had a hard fight one after the other since 2016 so um hopefully he starts 2021 with a bang and becomes world champion but anyway that's it for the preview part uh in part one we had the review part we did the news we welcomed our sole guest Chantel cameron and in in part two we've just done the preview part there uh, it's now time for eddie's very own segment the lockdown knockdown um what are we gonna have time to do here eddie is it gonna be the obviously the return to america you had the fight with galen brown are we gonna cover that and the gerald washington fight 
we'll just go we'll just go Galen Brown and we'll see what time how much time we have. But we'll pretty much just want to go Galen Brown. We're gonna go on a positive note at least for the day. Okay. Uh, we yeah. need that. We need that. Yeah, we do. We do. So yeah, anyway, so let's start here. So you were in the UK, we talked about it all last week. Um what actually made you return like how come you ended up going back home and not coming back? And obviously you haven't been back since. Uh, yeah, tell me about how how that happened. Why did you go back to uh, to the states, which I'm sure you had to at some point anyway? <laughs> well, of course, yeah. I mean, I wanted to come back. You know, my family's here, everything's here. But I did want to make you know, some uh, sort of sort of have a uh, home away from home in the UK, and with Peter and you know guys like you, it would have been fairly easy to do. But what I started to realize is how difficult it was going to be for us to really crack the top, and it was because you know, working so hard, doing all those things I did and getting to the point I got to as far as with training and being prepared and ready, I realized that it might be it might be difficult to get a high-level fight in the amount of time that I was hoping to get it. And I just didn't think. And then we started talking about, oh, you know, there's different fights that, that we're possibly going to be able to, you know, get. And the more that we talked to these guys, the more they declined and you know, people were talking about, oh, no, I'd rather not go in that direction. I'd rather fight this guy. And then it just started to look like I wasn't going to get a big fight. You know what I mean? And don't get me wrong. I mean, I only gave it a year. I probably should have gave it more time to, to really see what would happen. Um, but, I mean, I just didn't think it was going to happen. And I got, you know, you get get a little homesick. You want to you want to be able to go home and spend time. And of course, I could have went and stayed home for a while and then went back. But it just, it just didn't seem like it was going to work. And then I was like, man, I was getting tired with all of the crap that goes along with this sport, not the sport itself, but the business is tied to it. It just gets, it gets, it gets under your skin. It like no other, you know what I mean? There's so many, so many things that you could do in the ring, but you have so little control outside of it. You know what I'm saying? The fighters are so sometimes just so out of, uh, out of control, like when well, out of control, like in a, in, a, in a negative way, but out of control, not being able to control their career, not having a, having enough of a, of a say on what they do, you know what I mean? Based on, I mean, now granted with Peter, you know, I, I, you know, we could talk and we can, you know, figure out things and go at it together. So I was, I was, I was really happy, you know, being, being able to deal with somebody like him. And then obviously him as a trainer was great as well, but it just seemed like it wasn't going to materialize. And then, you know, guys don't have to fight me at that point. You need them in a sense. So if you got, so say if there's a fighter who's rated in the top 10 or top five, whatever. And, you know, I'm just trying to crack the top 15 again. Um, they don't really need to fight me to get, you know, to get any kind of leverage. You know what I mean? They could just say, okay, well, I'll take this other guy who's rated and he's nowhere near top of fighters chambers. And uh, I'll keep on my, I'll keep my train rolling rather than taking a chance on fighting somebody who's in top shape, obviously, who's been knocking guys out, even though they're not high level comp- opposition. And he just looks dangerous. And, you know, you're hearing things through sparring and all of the things that go on. And it's like, eh, well, let's just just in case he is really like what they're saying, let's just stay away from him. And it just becomes it gets frustrating. It gets old. It gets old real fast. And then say, okay, well, I'm away from my family. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm with my other family over here, but I kind of want to get back and, and, and start my own again. You know what I'm saying? Really, really get to that. So. I came back and, and honestly, man, I wasn't even 100 percent sure I wanted to even continue with boxing at all. And I started working um, with uh, a company over here by the name of LA Fitness. It was just 
you know, it was kind of like uh, I needed to do it for a while just to kind of keep money coming in. And, and also it was an opportunity to start getting uh, into the fitness aspect, which I always wanted, you know, always wanted to do. I mean, I was personal training people and, and training different people before. So it's kind of fun to do. And it's a place where I'm around a gym all day. There's a basketball court 20 feet from me so I can go and play ball whenever I want. And I also can train people and, and, and have conversations and just be around that kind of uh, feel, which I love. And uh, but it turned out not to be so great <laughs> because obviously, you know, working for certain companies, they have certain things that they want you to do and certain aspects that you have to deal with. And, and the money's not what you expect. You're not what you're used to, especially when you're used to fighting for for sometimes 30 seconds and making thousands of dollars for it. You don't really uh, you know, you're not really down with what they're trying to give you, especially the amount of hours you have to put in to get it. So. It turned out not to work out in that matter, but I still really wanted to do it. Um, but it just, you know, I just, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't get down with it. So I end up, thank God, meeting uh, two guys who, or three guys now, who are probably going to be a part of my life for the rest of it. Which these three guys were really, really good guys. They actually own a business in uh, a, a part of New Jersey that I've been working with them for such a long time now. And they look out for me in so many different ways. And they were actually, they're actually helpers and, and they actually do things for me as far as in the boxing as well. So, and if, and if it's, if it wasn't for my trainer slash one of my closest friends, Anthony uh, Rodriguez, I wouldn't even know these guys. So now I'm not only working with these guys through, um, you know, have tra- I trained them for boxing, but also I'm working with their company and also keeps money in my pocket. So, you know, like I said, thanks to Ant, Otherwise, otherwise I might not be, I might not even be making any money this way. I would probably have to be hustling in the ring some way or getting my head punched in for, for, for almost peanuts, which I doubt I would ever do. But anyway, so I started to do that working with these guys and, you know, I'm, you know, I was just thinking like, well, I really didn't like the way, you know, I wasn't able to really materialize with what was going on out in the UK with, uh, with Peter and I really just felt like I still had a, pl- you know, something left in the tank, a lot more left in the tank. Like, I still got something left in the tank right now. But um, so I figured, like, let's 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 try to go at this thing. So we started to talk. And, you know, when I when I whenever I'm deciding to fight or whatever, I need to do what I need to do as far as boxing goes. The guys say, hey, take a leave from work and you can go ahead and do your thing and get ready and we'll still take care of everything. Like I said, these guys are great. They've been a real help to my career and, and to me as a, as a person. So um, I start training, start getting back into it. And uh, we're trying to figure out who we're going to fight. And, of course, I don't like to just jump in the ring with top-level competition. I don't think anybody should, especially when you're not sure where you're at. You want to kind of get a feel. And you want to get under the lights again, small fight or not. You still need to get something done, something, something. You know, you need to get under, like I said, get in the ring get a feel for what it's like and not have uh, a killer looking across the ring at you and about ready to take your head off every time. You know what I'm saying? So I ended up taking a fight and uh, we were thinking about like who we want to get. And I was actually talking to a friend of mine who's also a fighter, Chaz Witherspoon. We mentioned a guy that he fought. They said, maybe you should get at him. And, you know, he's a guy who would take a, a fight, a kind of fight like this. And he's a, he's a good, tough guy who will, try to give you something he does you know he has a little bit of a gamesmanship with him you know what i mean he tries to tries to make the fight interesting anyway not gonna be around obviously all night but he when he tries to make a go of it while he's in there so um 
I guess you know we got I guess we got in contact with him. I, I end up doing a card with um uh damn I can't remember the name, but Marshall Kaufman who was the who was who was running it. But I was also now signed with Al Haney. So they were kind of working to, together. So they end up getting Galen Brown to come to this uh to to uh to New Jersey to fight. That we did it in Atlantic City. So, you know, that whole thing was made. So now I'm training, getting prepared for that. Actually had some pretty good sparring for uh for that fight. Obviously, I had Chaz Witherspoon, who was one of the top guys at one point. I had uh, a few lighter weight guys come in to help me out with some sparring. I can't remember exactly all the names of the guys. I actually worked some with one of the, the headliner on that card, which was uh, Travis Kaufman, and we got some rounds in. So, I mean, I, I had pretty good sparring. I was I – was, um, I was actually pretty well prepared considering, you know, that it wasn't a huge fight or uh, extremely like a uh, long fight, like a 12 round or even a 10. So it was like, uh, it was, it was a good, it was a good little camp. I had to get ready to get myself kind of reacclimated to what was going on with the, with the sport at the time, you know? So, um, so, you know, I'm, I'm doing a couple different things, a couple different uh, uh, sparring sessions with the guys. And I, like I said, I felt really good. I felt, I felt considering it. And, I, and to be honest, I was heavy. I was still kind of heavy because, you know, in the UK when I was over there and I was training, I was about like maybe 225, but 225 in shape, like real nice that you can see the, you know, you see the, the, the definition and all of that. Just my body was what I really liked when I was there. But over here, I wasn't necessarily training exactly the same way, nor was I eating exactly the same way. So my body didn't look as good as it did then, and it wasn't really good at all. I don't want to say at all, but it didn't look like I was expecting it or hoping it would look come fight night, but I still felt good. And the, and the sparring was going well. So regardless of how the, you know, what the look was, I still felt in, in a good place, you know, for the fight. And especially... I was only fighting a guy who wasn't supposed to stick around for very long. Tough guy, a lot of experience, but he knew what it was coming in. So um, we uh, we go down to uh, Atlantic City, and you know we're you know doing our normal thing. We go to the weigh-ins and stuff like that, and you know everything was pretty good. The 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 the, the vibe of everything was good. I felt I felt good. It was good to be back into that because I think what was about what a year or so that I was out of the ring. Maybe maybe less. I don't know, Joe. What you what do you say? Was it about a year before I before I fought again after um I left the UK? Was it about that much time? Um, it was ten months. Yeah, so almost about close to a year. So and so you know to get back into it now. Granted, I mean I was completely away. Like I really wasn't. I would be in the gym periodically with uh with with Ant, you know, doing pads and doing different things. But I really wasn't into it like that. I was like I said, I was trying to work. I was doing a personal training thing, and then I was uh, actually working a regular, regular situation when I was with the uh, guys. So I had been away for a little while. So now getting back into it, you know, I, you just want to readjust. Now, great, I've been doing this thing since I was a kid. You know what I mean? And I was doing it straight through for maybe almost 20 years up to that point. So it's like it's a long time to be involved in a, in a sport. So you should be able to, you know, get, you know, get do it to adapt to whatever you need to adapt to. It's even if you've been away for a while. Now, it's still going to take time, but when you do get yourself back into it, it'll, everything will start to click, which ends up happening. And um, so I go into the fight, and we're in the fight. Now, remember, this guy, like I said, is not he's not a world beater or anything. He's, you know, he's a guy that's coming in to make 
an interesting show, but you know, he's got experience. So he knows there's things that you'll do or you'll see. And it's like, when you think of a guy like Galen Brown, you think of a guy who probably goes into a bar every once in a while and sits around and doesn't really look like much, like you wouldn't think much of him, but if you would approach him as a regular person, trying to like, you know, want to start a fight with somebody, that would probably be the last guy that you would want to start a fight with in a bar situation because he doesn't look like much, but if he got up and threw hands at you, you pretty much, you'd probably be surprised or you might not remember it because you'd probably be on your back. But he's one of those guys that now when you put him in with elite guys, he has no clue. Well, I don't say he has no clue, but he doesn't, he doesn't have a chance. So, you know, we're in there and me and Ant had been working on things in sparring and just in general to uh, work on in this fight because sometimes when you realize who you have in front of you and, and, and you know that you have a bigger picture that you're looking forward to getting to, not saying you're overlooking the guys in front of you, but you still want to use it as a training ground. And who were we going to fight? We're not going to fight. We're not looking to, you know, this is the, you know, the end all fighting a Galen Brown. No, our thing was, and it's no disrespect to him, but our thing was, who are we going to be fighting after this? Because if I don't beat him, I don't have no, I have no business fighting anymore. You know what I'm saying? So who am I going to be fighting after? Not to look past him, but who are we aiming at? So that means we need to use this guy for what he is. Use him as a, a glorified sparring partner that you're going to knock out eventually. And that's what we did. So we worked on specific things. We we talked through it. And then when I got in the ring, a lot of these things started to show up. But there was a couple things that I did in the fight, and I realized that, that you could still see that this guy does have a, a, a great deal of experience. He's been in the ring, whether it be, be, you know, be it getting knocked out by guys or not, or getting beat by guys or not, he still has been in the ring. So he and he actually was probably busier than I had been up to that up to that point for a while. So it was a little bit of a, a an adjustment period to try to land certain shots. It was almost like when we talked about me fighting uh, Carl Baker. It was like sometimes he was just just out of range, just out of range. I couldn't land the shot exactly as I wanted it, at least for the first round. In the second round, I caught him with a couple of good, hard, straight right hands, and I could see him literally stiffen up. And 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 as soon as I I did that, he started to find a way to like he would just throw a shot just to get me to react to it, so that he can clinch. You know what I mean? That's what a lot of guys who were experienced, uh, uh, experienced. I don't want to call. I don't want to say ducks, but that's what we used to call them. Experienced ducks who just want to survive so they can get a couple of dollars later on would start to do. But regardless of what his experience level was, there's a such thing as, you know, a ceiling with your talent and with your overall ability. And he hit it and he's in there with somebody like me. And I'm not trying to say I'm the greatest of all time, but you're in there with an elite guy who is, even though it's, I'm still back, you know, trying to get back and trying to figure it out. Eventually, you know, the cream is going to rise to the top and that's what eventually happened. And I ended up stopping him. and it could have got worse. And I'm glad that they stopped it when they did, but it was a good fight to come back on. It's kind of like the situation now when I'm thinking in my mind, I want to get back. That would be the kind of situation that I would want to come back into. You don't want to come back in with even a guy that you know in your head that you would beat, but at this point would be tough. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to get in there with somebody who's been, you know, going at it and, and, and fighting constantly, and I haven't fought in, what, four years now. So, you know, it would be good for me to get something like that if I was going to go in now. So at the time... I, I felt good about it. Now, don't get don't get me wrong. I wasn't all like jumping on the t the turnbuckle like I just knocked out the you know, heavyweight champion of the world. I don't do that. 
especially not in a situation like that. So I was I, I was respected, respect, you know, respectful to who I had in the ring. I also understood that we where we were where we were planning to go from there. And it just was just a small step in that direction. You know what I mean? And and I wish that I would have been able to get a, maybe a few more before we decided to make the move we did. But uh that's gonna be uh we're gonna talk about that a little later, I guess I guess the next time we come out. But it was a like I said, it was a successful a successful mission up to that point. But I still do wish that we would have um we would have maybe maybe took a few more, maybe maybe you know maybe chilled out a little bit longer with it, and 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 maybe I'd have sparred a little bit more, maybe took a trip somewhere, you know, maybe to work with some guys in some camps, just to kind of get my head, maybe even go back over to to the UK again, you know what I mean, and start working with you guys over there. It would have probably got me in a better state of mind. I would have been better prepared, you know, even with you know me and Ann coming over there with Peter, it would have probably been a better, much better situation. It would have had me. Uh, a lot better prepared going into the the next match. Yeah, well, there we have it. There we have it. Eddie's last career win. Um, yeah, back in um, September 2015. Um, but no, he was he was really experienced, Galen Brown. You know, he'd been in there with the likes of, and I will name uh, Robert Stieglitz, uh, Brian Minto. Um, mm. He'd been in there with. Uh, Joey, Joey Abel, yeah, um, Ty Fields, Marius Wack, uh, Hassim Rackman, um, <laughs> Chauncey Welliver, uh, yeah, Tor Hamer, um, Marcus Rohde. Was uh, Rob Callaway? I know he fought Rob Callaway. Who? He's, I think. Rob Callaway is another guy who had a good record at one point. Did he beat him or did he lose to him? Do you know? He lost him. Definitely lost to him. At least I um, think. I might be getting to that in a sec. He he also boxed um, Fraser Quendo. Yeah. Dimitro Kutcher. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Chaz Witherspoon. Uniel yeah. Dortikovs. Oh, he fought him? I didn't know he fought him. Yeah, he fought him the fight before you. Damn. Two months, two months and one day before he boxed you. He got stopped in one round by Daughter Coast. Um, he boxed Trevor Bryan, the uh, the current heavyweight world champion. Trevor Bryan couldn't stop him. They went six rounds. Um, yep. Zili Zhang, the, uh, the, the silver medalist from the 2012 Olympics. Um, yeah, he, uh, he, he fought him as well. What's the guy's name? I can't. I can't see it on here. I don't think. Confused. I said Rob Cal because I remember. Calloway. Is that is that his name? God damn! I. You know what? Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. I'm not sure, but I think he did fight. He fought somebody because I had a. I had like I don't know oh, why. Oh yeah, yeah, had... yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. He fought him twice and he got he he got beat by him. I don't think he got stopped because he was supposed to be a pretty big puncher. You know, but not a lot high level guy or anything like that. But he was somebody that I remember talking about because I think we were actually looking at him at one point to to fight too. But it just didn't. You know, that he wasn't going to take that. They didn't want to take a chance at that. I guess at that stage, or he was even still fighting at the time. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, okay. Well, there we have it. Like I say, review and news, and then the sole guest, and then the uh, the part two. Or part two began with uh, the preview part, and it's just been wrapped up there with the 
the lockdown knockdown only one more fight to go over which we will get to next time but anyway that is everything that's all the talking from us in just a few seconds time i'll come in with the outro and um, yeah like i say thank you for listening Okay, and this wraps up episode 278 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge thank you to our sole guest on this week's podcast, the reigning and undefeated super lightweight female WBC world champion Chantel Cameron. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. Remember to tell a friend to tell a friend about the podcast. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.